Welcome to episode 454 of Salcedo Paranormal, and tonight I'll be talking more about mythology and the paranormal. As always, you can find all episodes of the show along with links to social media and other ways to contact me at the podcast page, and that is salcedoparanormal.podbean.com. <clears throat> That's S-A-L-S-I-D-O paranormal.podbean.com. Always happy to hear from you all, whether you have comments or questions or topic suggestions or stories of paranormal experiences, whether they're your own or from others that you trust. Happy to either read those or have you join me on the show to talk about them. Thank you all for listening, whether you are here for the live streams on Discord or if you listen on the podcast or YouTube feeds. Or on the Trouble Minds Radio Network, KUAP Digital Broadcasting. There you can hear replays of the show, um, two of them every night, at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, <clears throat> right before Trouble Minds Radio comes on. I always want to thank Michael Strange, host of Trouble Minds Radio, as well as Liam Martin, host of the Exile Minds podcast, for producing the show and putting it on the network. And uh, if you'd like to support the show, there are some different ways to do that. Uh, you can always share the show with others and then rate and review it on your uh, favorite podcast platform of choice. I also have some paranormal fiction and nonfiction books over on Amazon you can check out. With another, I just uh, basically just about finished it. Hopefully, uh, I'll be making more announcements about that soon as well. Um, also, you can uh, sign up for my Patreon, uh, where there will be one extra episode of the show released there every month for all the membership tiers. And uh, also, I have uh, direct links to PayPal and Venmo if you would like to make a one-time donation. Uh, help us never expected, but always appreciated, as I have expenses for the show in terms of equipment and research materials, and then also uh, travel expenses, uh, as I will be going to the Mid-Michigan Paracon this year, and that is in um, in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, at the Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort, on November 4th and 5th, that's a Saturday and Sunday, and uh, really looking forward to that, going there, and uh, be my first time going to a paranormal convention, and I'll be recording uh, my thoughts on the event, and just any interesting information I find there, and as well as hopefully uh, uh, do some interviews of people about the paranormal in general and or their experiences when I'm there as well. And then I will bring all that back and work that into um, to the show, whether it's one or two shows, depending on how long or how much material I have. We'll see how that goes. So um, I think that's everything. Thank you all for... Uh, being patient as I took a week off uh, for various reasons, but also in the end it worked out that I was able to work on that book I mentioned, which is going to be a book of all my experiences, or at least um, most of them, as well as some other um, just thoughts on the paranormal and uh, from myself and others, and then some of the stories that you all have heard on the show. Not all of them, but uh, several of them. That's going to be a big section of the book. Stories that I've found online and rewritten to fit the show better. Uh, not in terms of 
what happens in those stories, but just in terms of uh, making it easier to read and putting them basically in my own words. Uh, just to protect, protect, uh, protect the privacy, excuse me, of the people that are involved in the stories, because it's more important to share the stories just so that others hear that, that they're not alone uh, out there when they have paranormal experiences. So, I think that covers everything, and uh, I can get to these um, this the rest of the show here. Again, I always want to say I am not an expert in mythology or in how to say these various names of of the the um, the creatures that I'll be talking about today. Uh, in some cases, they're fairly straightforward, and others I have no idea if I'm, I'll be saying the names right or, right or not. So, just know that uh, I do what I can, and uh, and forgive me for mispronouncing anything uh, along the way. So. And these are just basic uh, summaries of what I've found online uh, with the help of various uh, AI tools to help sort of condense information to make it easier to talk about on the show. So the first one <clears throat> I want to talk about here is uh, the Black Dog. Uh, the Black Dog is a legendary creature that originated in the British Isles and is seen as a harbinger of death or a disaster. Uh, it typically appears as a huge black dog with glowing red eyes. Some versions are white, brown, yellow, or spotted. I guess they mean the dog there. So, um, In rare cases, it seems... Or I mean, sorry. It is seen as a guardian uh, of treasure or a benevolent protector. So there are variations on this. Sort of the most common one is thought to be sort of a negative presence, but there are positive ones as well. Um, so there are many localized versions throughout the British Isles, Europe, and the US, and Latin America, indicating it is more of a species than one, uh, one entity, so different kinds in different areas. And you hear that about um, Bigfoot as well. Different um, tall creatures with that are covered in fur around the world and the areas seem to, in some reports, have different features. Some of the benevolent versions watch over children or help kind people. Uh, others guard ancient sites. And I have heard some stories over the years of um, people or kids being lost in areas. And then seeing uh, this dog appear out of nowhere and then lead, having it lead them to safety. I've heard that before. Uh, more often the black dog foretells or sometimes even directly causes uh, death. Historical examples are given of churchgoers dying when a black dog appeared. Uh, again, going more towards the negative side of all that. To this day, the black dog is seen as a phantom or a demon that haunts certain uh, ominous locations, especially in the UK. Uh, its danger and superstition remain. So, the uh, so in terms of the paranormal and all this, the presence of this creature is just really usually. Uh, um, very clear. It's not just an image. It's a, sort of a, a presence felt. 
So uh, throughout history, various uh, you see various cultures have had beliefs in mythical or supernatural creatures, such as ghosts, spirits, and others. Uh, the black dog is one of these that has become a prominent figure in, again, the UK, and is associated with uh, basically the paranormal. And uh, so I already mentioned the whole thing with it being sort of a mostly thought of as a negative uh, entity, but also being in a lot of cases positive as well. And uh, so, yeah, it just basically can appear and disappear. And um, so just like a ghost in a way. So I think that covers that that figure. Again, if you look up um, Black Dog, or even so go as far as like Hellhound or any of those things, you might be able to find more information on that online. Uh, just be careful. There is a lot of plenty of fiction out there as well associated with that. So, but um, still, it's always amazing when you hear these stories and uh, find out about these creatures that people claim to see, but also they're said to, be, said to just be stories. So, uh, moving on to the next one here. And that is something more, I think, recent from what I've heard. Um, and that is uh, Black-Eyed Kids. So, they are believed to be ghoulish creatures who have been trying to gain entrance into homes since reports, reports first emerged in 1996. Also vehicles, by the way, as well, in some cases. They knock on doors and uh, windows late at night, asking to be let inside. Uh, witnesses describe them as pale children with light, light-colored hair. Uh, wearing uh, modern or old-fashioned clothes. Their most distinguishing feature is their solid black eyes without pupils or irises. And they usually travel in pairs and radiate an aura of dread and terror, though they are generally polite and use respectful language. That is true. There's this, the the negative aspects are more of a sense of the presence of them that they give off, which to me I've heard that um, some people say that there are different kinds of or different ways to different kinds of contacts or films or whatever you can put over your eyes. Even though I've heard they are dangerous to make them look black, but also I've heard of this sort of a sense of a presence that is more than just uh, that of a a kid. Uh, let's see here. And um, they seem to have psychic abilities, being able to communicate uh, silently with each other and uh, track people over distances. They can also manipulate emotions to inspire fear and make people want to let them inside. Uh, flickering lights and power outages often accompany them, suggesting they give off an electric or radioactive field. Reports suggest they may, uh, they may have limited uh, speaking ability. So the legend uh, started in 1996 
with an anonymous report and spread through paranormal forums, and this is online forums when they're really first just getting started, uh, remains primarily an internet legend, even though I've heard a lot of stories online, seen a lot of stories online, about people actually experiencing these things. I don't know if that's entirely accurate. Though, a few media outlets have covered it. Uh, there has been a horror, fi horror film that has also been made based on that folklore. So, um, let's see here. Looking at the rest of this here, they, uh, yeah, that's basically it. There's, um, again, just the, the way that these stories play out so often, people, um, see them, and a lot of times they'll just, they'll just appear out of nowhere, but sometimes they'll, they'll be, they'll be seen slowly approaching people. Um, but, uh, but yeah, a lot of stories about that. So, um, so these black-eyed children involve their description as, uh, ghost-like beings, but solid, uh, with psychic abilities and association with other paranormal events, such as, again, uh, electricity, uh, lights flick flickering or going off, power going I hadn't heard of the power outage part, though. That is odd. But that makes sense in a way. You hear about even just regular ghosts doing that in some cases. So, um, interesting connection there I wasn't aware of. I haven't looked into all these, really, until just doing these shows. So, this has been um, just as interesting for me as I hope it is for all of you. And uh, so, yeah, that's the, the next one here that I wanted to go through. And uh, moving on, thank you again for being here to listen. And uh, let's see what the next one here is. And let me see here. One moment. I think I need some water. All right, so... Uh, the next one here is another um, figure that is known today, and that is let me see. I gotta find my spot. Uh, the the now the, the original spelling apparently is more sounds like bogeyman or bogey. I think bogeyman. It's b o g e y m a n. But then the modern I think spelling of that is more with the two o's, making it the boogeyman. So. Um, the bogeyman is a mythical monster that exists in various forms around the world to scare children into good behavior. Origins are unclear, but it may have developed from old legends about mischievous creatures like hobgoblins. So you have your sort of um, going back to darker versions of uh, what sounds almost like it could be various versions of the um of little figure of of shorter little figures um and there are many many of those from what i've heard physical descriptions vary widely but common traits include long nails or claws horns terrifying eyes and others many are shapeshifters and uh they and according to folklore here they punish naughty children in different ways from 
scratching windows to, uh, of course, in the more extreme legends, kidnapping and eating them. I have heard a lot of stories, you hear that a lot, of um, scratching on windows and walls. And uh, I wonder in those cases where that's the only thing happening, if that's what this is. Uh, but they, uh, let me see, okay, various uh, versions exist across cultures like, oh boy, here we go. Um, I'm just going to say the names of the areas. Uh, they exist in, in Indonesia, um, Hispanic cultures, and Croatia, and many more. So, and there's names there for these different ones I just mentioned, but they're, I think they're beyond my ability to try to say. Uh, some act as strange protectors, while others are purely evil spirits. Uh, more experts believe that it is simply a myth told by parents to, or most experts, I'm sorry, believe that's simply a myth told by, told by parents to make children behave, not a real creature. Uh, it plays on a universal fear of monsters in the dark, so in closets and under beds. Um, and that whole thing, I think, I wonder about that as sort of a, um, a, top, a thought form that parents, so over time, maybe even in in clusters and in areas, can generate by sort of telling those stories over and over again. So, um, so let me see here. One connection between uh, the legends and the folklore is the mention of its ability to shapeshift as a common trait. So, um, shapeshifting is a, uh, it's a concept frequently associated with paranormal beings and folklore and mythology, so really just things not appearing as they seem and then being able to change shape to sort of um, uh, deceive or, or, and, or, and or frighten people. So um, there's different versions around the world, like I said. And uh, so, yeah, that's basically the uh, basically it. It's it's just goes to all that, and then the fear of the unknown. When it's a shape shifting figure or a figure that's in the darkness, there's no way to know for sure what's going on there. So, um, so yeah, that's that's a uh, that's it for that one. But uh, definitely a common one you hear about as kids, and and um, but it's it does seem almost like it's uh, could almost also be associated with a shadow figure in a way, possibly. In some cases, especially with the shorter ones, I wonder about that. Um, and again, there's the whole. So often, I remember over the years, I've heard of that the boogeyman hiding in the closets. And again, closets seem to be uh, they they seem to be portals in some cases in different ways. So, um, so I wonder about that as well. But uh, yeah, so let me see here. I think I have time for one more. Now this next one I have no idea how to say. Bun, bun, bunip or bunip? I'm not sure. Uh, and this is um, it. It is a mis mysterious water monster from Australian Aboriginal folklore. Descriptions of it vary widely. So I wonder again. Whenever there's um, whenever that is said about uh, anything, I wonder if it's because it's a shapeshifter. Or if there's just many things that are given the same name. But it makes me lean the most towards the shape-shifting ability. 
and it has been reported in lakes, rivers, swamps, and water holes across Australia. Accounts describe it as both a ferocious predator and a gentle herbivore. So that's odd. That that's quite different. Um, Aboriginal legends say it has supernatural powers and can alter water levels, hypnotize humans, and other abilities. Uh, but accounts disagree on whether it is basically good or bad. The name comes from Aboriginal words meaning uh, devil or evil spirit. Europeans la later adopted the name uh, Bunyip or Bunip, I'm not sure, to, uh, to basically label the creature from there. Uh, there were some 19th century reports of fossils thought to be this creature. Uh, sparking a lot of uh, sightings, but the fossils were misidentified, apparently. Today, it is uh, considered mythical folklore, though some cryptozoologists still believe it could be real, possibly a surviving ancient marsupial. Uh, the term bunip or bunyip has been used metaphorically in Australian politics, apparently. Uh, to mock perceived imposters, so that does play to the whole trickster element, possibly shape-shifting element. Um, so yeah, that's basically uh, it for that. Uh, really odd that that's sort of uh, associated with politics, but uh, but yeah, I don't know about that one. That's but that's um there's so many creatures and water seems to play in so much of um of the paranormal as well. Think I'll um think I'll leave the rest of this for next time, but I can just talk about uh maybe about water for a little bit. Um in that there are so many creatures that are said to live in water or be able to travel through it and that uh, that are said to be mythical or, or paranormal. And yet there's sightings of them all throughout time. So and that always amazes me because, uh, especially if they're creatures that are seen sort of near the surface or in the, or in, in the closest to the, the, the surface of the water, but then they just seem to vanish. That always amazes me with um, things like uh, the Loch Ness Monster and others, uh, other lake monsters, really, anything that seems to be People say they've seen these creatures in bodies of water, but then when people go looking for them, they can't find them. And of course, the natural, the scientific explanation, um, or the sort of skeptical or debunking explanation as well, these people were mistaken. But then that's not taking into account the possibility of um, different dimensions or, or par alternate parallel universes or even other times sort of overlapping so that maybe the creatures are there at different times and only certain people who are there will see them, but then they sort of phase back out of of this level of reality or this time, and then they really aren't there after that for who knows how long. Um, I always wonder about that. Same with any kind of creatures that are said to be seen on land that so many people, people say they can't exist, and yet there are entire shows built on sightings of uh, Bigfoot and others so um i think the the world and the universe is a lot more um complicated than uh than 
we we like to think so but uh thank you all for listening uh and i will talk to you on the next episode of salcedo paranormal take care